Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'll teach you a quick technique you can use for instant self-development. I'll also be interviewing psychotherapist, coach, and trainer Richard Reed. Richard teaches you how to discover your resilience and how to use it to overcome any obstacle you may face. For more information about Richard, please visit www.pinnaclewellbeingmedia.com. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. If you're anything like me, you'll love to read. Lifeology and audible.com have partnered to offer you an incredible opportunity. Audible is offering you one free book download with a free 30-day trial. This is perfect for those of you who love to read but often don't have time to enjoy your favorite pastime. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to start your free trial. They have over 180,000 books from all genres, so I'm pretty confident your favorite author's books will be there. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. Rapid self-development. In every situation, it's important to be aware of what you're thinking, feeling, or doing. Now, of course, we get so busy in life that we often don't take that time for self-reflection. One of the best things you can do to really be mindful of what your subconscious is processing is to simply ask yourself, what am I learning about myself right this second? The reason why that question is so important is because when you slow down and take that moment to ask yourself that question, it then allows you to focus on what you're thinking about. Focus on what your mood is, focusing on what you're doing. (laughs) It's kind of funny. I actually asked myself that question this morning. I had noticed the past week when I would walk my dog in the morning, right around a certain area of our walk, I would find myself just being annoyed. So if my dog wanted to smell something and I want to walk or I'm looking at something on my phone, right around that location, I just would get annoyed. And so when I asked myself, what are you learning about yourself right now? I realized that when I would take my morning supplements, they would finally kick in at that time. And since I usually don't eat breakfast at that time, I found that it started to agitate my nervous system or at times would just give me a headache. So when I asked myself that question, I realized the reason why I was becoming agitated or annoyed was because of those supplements. However, it's important to ask yourself that question all the time. If you find that after an interaction with someone that you're really annoyed or you're really frustrated, simply ask yourself, what am I learning about myself right now? Because it's not about that other person, but it's about you. Something within you perhaps misunderstood something or have brought a previous encounter with that person into that current conversation and it's caused you to be defensive. Or it could be a wonderful opportunity to practice a certain attribute. There's been other times when I check in with myself and I realize, ah, okay, well, apparently I need to learn patience today. So I'm going to work on patience. 
And so in that moment, once you have that awareness of what you are learning about yourself or perhaps what you're struggling with, it allows you to say, well, what am I going to do with this now? So for me, when I recognized that I was lacking in patience, I decided I want to practice patience all day that day. Now, it doesn't mean I enjoyed it, but it is something that when you have that awareness, it gives you the opportunity to rapidly self-develop by learning what's happening within you at that moment. Now, it doesn't always have to be something that we have to work on. You could check in with yourself and be very proud of your interaction with someone or very proud of the way your self-talk is. That's a wonderful way to really self-affirm because you may realize that there was a time when you struggled with a certain situation, but upon reflection, you realize that you have, in fact, learned that lesson and what bothered you before no longer bothers you. So it's a simple technique. You just simply ask yourself, what am I learning about myself right this second? And then take that moment to reflect. And in that moment, you then have the opportunity to learn that lesson and to overcome whatever you're struggling with. I have a fantastic interview today with Richard Reed. Richard gives you a lot of tools and ways in which you can discover your resilience and how to build upon that, which will then help you overcome any obstacle you may face. So stay tuned. Are you an expert in your field or an author who wants massive exposure? I am now looking for self-development experts to be a promotional guest on Lifeology. Currently, Lifeology has an average listenership of over 3 million people per episode. If you are ready to invest in your brand and promote yourself on Lifeology, then apply today. Simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash guest and apply for this opportunity. This is only for a limited time and only a select few will be chosen. So if you're ready to reach a global audience, then apply today. Simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash guest to apply. My guest today is Richard Reed, who is a professional psychotherapist, coach, and trainer who previously worked as a senior consultant for Booz Allen Hamilton. He is a published author and a media spokesperson for his field. He's here today to share his wisdom and ways to create resilience during difficult times. Welcome to my show, Richard. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, from where are you calling today? So I'm calling from the Isle of Man, which is in the Irish Sea. It's partway between the UK and, and Ireland. Oh, wow. Well, that's one thing I really love about my show is I get to talk to people like you from all over the world, and I get to learn so much, but also just to hear their understanding of the world and the culture in which they live. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, it's good to be here and uh, just to, to, to speak to people from all over the world. Isle of Man's a small place. Yeah, exactly. Now, you are also a psychotherapist like myself, so it's always good to talk shop with another one of us. But you really focus on resilience. I mean, you do so many things, but that's one of the main topics that you talk about is psychological resilience. What does that mean to you? Well, it means a number of things. I think first and foremost, people think of it as being about bouncing back from from difficult situations, and it absolutely can be that. But for for me, it's it's a lot more than that too. It's partly about uh, learning from those experiences as well. It's not about just getting through them with gritted teeth. It's about how can you start to embrace challenges rather than resisting them or trying to avoid them. And and what you find is the people who go farthest in life tend to be the people who are not only uh, more adaptable, but also the people who embrace new situations and, and grow as a result of them. So for me, that's a big part of it. And, and then the other part of it is about being more efficient with our, our use of internal resources. Oh, so, we okay. tend to, yeah, so we tend to use thoughts and, and feelings uh, and energy indiscriminately. Mm-hmm. The, the more we focus upon thoughts without necessarily choosing them, 
the more that has an impact on us on a number of different levels. So part of this is about being efficient and effective with how you use what's available to you. I really like how you use this as a spectrum in the sense of, yes, what can I do right this second to get over life or a situation when I'm blindsided, but also the building upon the life lessons you have to be able to enact them as needed or to be more mindful of your choices as opposed to saying, oh gosh, what am I going to do now? Absolutely. And the analogy I often use is, is imagine a, a tradesperson um, turning up to the same to different jobs mm-hmm. with the same tools every time. Sometimes that's going to work for them. Other times it's going to be completely inappropriate. And this is the risk for all of us that, is that we don't develop our range of tools. It means that there are always going to be situations where you become unstuck. And in the therapy room, I say this time and time again, that people who don't adapt or resist the ability to change and and learn from situations are the ones that tend to struggle most. And with that, and I say this respectfully, but often people in that situation can feel victimized or they can never get ahead. And that's, it's unfortunate because if they do just take a moment to reflect and say, when did I feel this way before? Situation may be different, but the emotions I'm experiencing are the same and I did something. So what did I do that worked and what did I do that did not work? Absolutely. So, you know, a big part of building your resilience is, is about building these internal resources. And, and one of those is, is about when you're in situations, reflecting on what you can learn from them. But also, as you, as you quite rightly say, storing and remembering and, and rehearsing some of the situations that we've coped with and some of the situations that have gone really well for us. And, and this is what we often struggle with when we're in these challenging situations. If we don't do this instinctively, then inevitably we focus upon all the things that could go wrong mm-hmm. or the times when things have gone wrong. And and that starts to deplete uh, our ability to be able to deal with things in real time. Yeah, especially if you have that, that forward focus hypothetical what if, it does yeah. decrease the strength of what can I do now. And it can be very overwhelming because if people don't compartmentalize what they're experiencing and they lump together all these, like I said, hypotheticals, then it does disempower them significantly. Yeah, and you see this all the time. You know, you see this on a small level when when people wake up in the middle of the night worrying about something, and we've probably all done it from mm-hmm. time to time. Um, you often wake up the next day, the things that you thought were going to happen either don't happen or don't quite happen in the way that you thought they would. But even if they do happen the way that you feared, we've used up so much physical and emotional energy on worrying about it that we're far less equipped to deal with the situation when it actually occurs. And we see this see this all the time. You know, when people are given bad news, mm-hmm. they tend to cope better with it uh, than when they're speculating about what's gonna gonna happen. So we've actually got more capability within us than we give ourselves credit for. And it's about reminding ourselves. Yeah. So in that respect, then what what I'm hearing you say then is, if you decrease how how much worry you have, if you focus on the hypothetical, that if it does go poorly, then in that moment you're more equipped to deal with it as opposed to ruminating on the hypotheticals. Absolutely. So, so I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't plan ahead about sure, situations, of course. but but it's about it's about making informed choices in situations and asking asking ourselves, me thinking about this situation now, is it going to inform how I, how I behave, or is it what we call a circular thought? Is it a thought that just goes round and round and round, mm-hmm. and all it does is take away from my natural ability to to be able to deal with the reality of the situation. Wow. Well, what are some ways that people listening right now, how are some ways in which they can, I don't want to say practice the resilience, but be more mindful of it? Well, I think the first thing to do is to practice what we call responding rather 
than reacting. All of us have got our default uh, ways in which we deal with situations. And a lot of the time, they're absolutely fine. But because we do them without questioning them, uh, often it can lead us down these unhelpful cul-de-sacs. So it <laughs> might be that that even in situations when you think there is there is no threat, no need to draw on my resilience, it can still be useful to get into the habit of even just pausing for a few seconds and thinking, how else could I approach this situation? Sure. And, and, and one skill for doing this is to, to maybe create what we call a, a, an imaginary um, panel of advisors. So think about people oh, in your life or, or mm-hmm. even people you don't know. It could be famous people who you've got a sense of the kind of person they are. And what you could start to do is when you are faced with a, a situation, before you act on that, ask yourself, how do I imagine each of these people would either deal with this situation themselves or what is it they might say to me in terms of advice if they were here right now? And it doesn't mean you've then got to go along with what you imagine they would say or do, but just the very fact that you've considered it means that you've slowed down that process and you are coming at it from a more informed position rather than a knee-jerk default position. I really like that. I've heard people talk about that when it comes to if you're going to eat something, have a panel of people watch you to decide yeah. what it is. But I've never heard it in that respect. So I really like that. I know for me, I would probably have the Dalai Lama be one of those people who would perhaps give me some advice and I probably would respond quite differently. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Just that slowing down, you know, whether you choose to act on, on that imaginary advice or not, the slowing down means that you move from what we call the system one part of the brain, which is all about essentially fight or flight and, 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 and self-preservation to what we call system two, which is when you th- make informed choices, you mm-hmm. use your uh, internal resources more efficiently. And also you think about things within the bigger picture that actually um, what's happening right now, as serious as it might seem, where does this sit within the bigger picture? And actually, yeah. ultimately, if you're coming at it from a responding position rather than a reacting position, in most cases, we will be able to tell ourselves, actually, nobody's going to die. Nobody's going to die mm-hmm. in this situation. And, and that in itself gives us more of a sense of balance. Yeah. Switching over to the other side of the spectrum, when people are blindsided, you know, we're doing our everyday life, things are going well, and all of a sudden we're just hit with something. Yeah. What are ways in which people can immediately practice resilience or to take, uh, go through the gr- grieving process, but then take what is a stumbling block and turn it into a stepping stone? Well, I, th- I think the first thing to do in, in these kind of situations is to slow things down again going back to what i was saying before when we're in system one when we perceive some kind of threat the 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 impulse of the brain is to say right just do something do something right now it's almost as if if i don't do something right now i'm going to die okay okay and when we slow down when we um start to respond rather than react it gives us more options and and it may be as simple as managing your breathing sounds sounds basic you know we all breathe and if we don't we're we're in big problems but <laughs> when we actually focus on our breath it, it starts to inform how we perceive a situation and also mm-hmm. how our brain then starts to generate um different alternatives so if you think about any day-to-day situation even one where you're not in any sort of extreme situation mm-hmm. your breathing will change from moment to moment you know if suddenly you've got to speed up or suddenly you're feeling that you've got lots of things to do and you're very busy your breathing will be very different and so pausing in those blindsided situations and thinking what's happening with my breathing right now and taking on a particular type of breathing, which I'll, I'll mention in the moment, means that we are buying ourselves time to think about what we actually need to do and what's going to be the most useful um, 
call on our resources. I like how when you talk about the breathing part of it, because that's a really good tell. Because as you know, of course, whatever our perception is determines what we feel. What we feel determines what our body does. Absolutely. So the response would be the breathing. So if we're not even being aware of what we're thinking or if it's too overwhelming, it's a really good entry point to say, well, I don't know what to do with anything else, but my breathing, that is something that is telling me how I'm responding here. But also, like you said, it's something so simple to be able to slow down and practice your breath, practice inhalation, and that allows for you to focus on what you can do as opposed to what you cannot do. Absolutely. And, and, and what tends to happen is when we go into panic mode, we, we just present ourselves with a whole array of problems and think, how am I going to be able to deal with this? How on earth am I going to be able to cope with all these things? Mm-hmm. And they will all seem of equal importance. Sure. And, and focusing on your breathing as a starting point is really about bringing, reining that process in. So if there's all these things that feel too much to deal with, what is the smallest thing I could be doing right now that is giving me back some element of control? And, and breathing is one of those examples. Another one might be simply to notice your feet, to focus on some grounding exercises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Really but in, like terms that of, in terms of breathing, there's a particular type of breathing that works really well, and this is called 4-4-6. And it's essentially breathing into the count of four, holding your breath for four, and breathing out for six. And if you do that, it starts to replicate uh, one of the processes that we associate with the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. So what the body would naturally do if it was coming out of a panic situation. And when you do that, it, it acts as a pattern interrupt. It interrupts the pattern that the brain is expecting at that moment in time. Yes. And it means that rather than objectifying that situation, it starts to look at it within its, its own individual merits. I really like that because like we said earlier, if, if our breathing automatically reflects our thoughts, well, if you've interrupted the frequency or the tempo or how much you inhale or exhale, then all of a sudden you have, like you said, rewired everything, which then once again, slows everything down. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I actually just did a show on this called, uh, well, it was about breathing. And we talked about the box breathing that you're talking about right now as, as well as yeah. all the different versions. And so well, one of the great things, like I said, I love about the show is we look at so many different practical aspects of how everything is linked together. And I really love your methodology as well of taking your thoughts, which could be too overwhelming, and then moving back and forth between your external self, which would mean your five senses, which helps ground you or your breathing, versus your internal self, which are all those thoughts, which can become too overwhelming. For my listeners, learning how to move between your internal self and your external self in a fluid way allows for you to always be in control of what you're experiencing. Absolutely. Yeah. You've hit that on the nail on the head. That's exactly what's going on there. And I think when, when you do that, it, it's, it's slowing that things down. It's um, giving you some measure of uh, mm-hmm. empowerment and it's moving you from, from system one type of interactions to system two, where you are making more informed choices. And, and one of those could be to, to run a very simple program called the three C's. The three C stands for control choice and consequence. Mm. And if you think about any situation that we're in, we will have varying degrees of uh, control uh-huh. or perceived control. And, and you know, in an ideal world, we can influence everything around us and, and everything runs smoothly, but, but clearly that doesn't always happen. And sometimes when we start to recognize what we can control, what it means is we no longer waste resources on thinking mm. about the things that yeah. we can't control. Yeah. You know, you think, think about how often we get frustrated about things we can't change. You know, if uh, the train's late or the bus is late, 
how we'll get angry about it and almost insist that it mm-hmm. should be different to yeah. the reality of the situation. It's wasted resources. Yeah. You know, what I always tell people as well is if you're thinking about anything or you're, perhaps you're thinking of your future or you're lumping all the things together, often our endurance for our mind's eye is 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 not as strong as we think. So if I think out a month from now and I and I throw in all of those things that I'm overwhelmed with, well that's incredibly overwhelming. So learning how to move your, your yeah. mind's eye back to a time frame which feels like you're in control. So going back to what you're talking about, what can you control versus what you cannot. So if I can only think out maybe for 24 hours, I'm like, okay, well that feels doable. I can do that. Or if it comes back to, oh my gosh, I can only do five minutes. Well then five minutes within that time frame You've taught yourself, I am in control. I can change things. And then the more you do that five minutes, then you can try it again. Okay, well, can I go out a little bit further? So learning how to pull your mind's eye back to a time frame when you're in control allows for you to once again focus on what you can do as opposed to what you cannot do. Absolutely. And, and one of the analogies I often use is imagine that you were, you were trying to climb Mount Everest. If you were at the bottom of the mountain looking all the way up, that for most people would feel incredibly overwhelming. Oh, a lot of people, a lot of people would give up and think, how am I yeah. going to do that? Yeah. And, but this is often what we do in terms of life's um, problems. We group them all together, like you've just said, and, and, it, and it feels overwhelming. And what that means is we, we either give in, become a victim, or, or we waste a lot of resources that could be used more effectively. And if you think about how you might tackle the ascent of, of, of Mount Everest, you might break it down into what you're going to do on the first day, what you're going to do on the second day, or even it might come down to just putting one foot in front of another. Sure. It might be scaling it back that much. And, and when we're able to think in those terms um, for everyday life situations, it, it just takes some of the overwhelm away. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it goes back to taking one step is also just like just focusing on your breath. Absolutely. And that is still forward movement. And, and you said something earlier, which is just get up and do something. And I think that is so important when we do become paralyzed in our thoughts. Physical movement allows for us to sometimes put our thoughts in order or sometimes gives us a little bit of motivation to literally do something that can be proactive for ourselves. So when we are struggling, it is important to incorporate some type of physical movement to help decrease some of the anxiety we're experiencing, but also to kind of put our thoughts in order as well. Yeah, definitely. And and, and what you'll often find is that people engage in, in these sort of um, negative uh, thinking patterns when when they are inactive mm-hmm. or when they are doing repetitive tasks or tasks that don't demand their full attention. So as you quite really say, even just getting up and going in the other room and making a tea or a coffee, it breaks the pattern. Mm-hmm. It's something where, where you've suddenly got to re-engage with your environment. But but obviously physical act, activity is is absolutely the way to go if you can. Yeah. And that, that's and I hope my listeners really heard what you said is something just as simple as getting up and getting a drink of some sort is a way to break up what you've historically have been doing. Because it, what you're not only physical movement, but even looking at a different spot in your room or in your house, what it does is if you typically think about something and look at one thing in your house, well then you've you've linked together that location with that thought pattern. So to get up and walk into a different place and all of a sudden you see something that's different, like, oh, okay, well, my subconscious mind all of a sudden decouples what I was thinking about and helps, gives me the energy to focus on something else. Yeah, that's, that, that's so true. And I think, you know, when, when we are doing the same things over and over again, um, in terms of our behaviors, uh, we run the risk of rehearsing particular ways of feeling you know people talk about people (laughs) talk about having having depression and and, and actually in many cases what it 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 makes it sound like the person is entirely a victim Mm -hmm. and and 
and and and at the mercy of of, of that feeling. And and whilst that might be true to some extent, there are lots of things that we do that rehearse depression. Yeah. So when I'm with, working with clients, I often say, "What are you doing to to maintain your depression?" Oh, that's a good and, question. And it, and really it gets question. them to think about, you know, the routines yeah. that they have, whether yeah. it's physical routines or lack of physical routine or particular thinking patterns that they're doing over and over again. And it starts to encourage them to think what else is available to me? How yeah. else can I be interacting with the world and with myself? I'm going to steal that question if you don't mind. I think that's a really good question. <laughs> I love it. We only have a couple more seconds here, but I know you do so many things. Why don't you inform our listeners of all the different types of services that you provide? Yeah, so I've uh, got fingers in quite a few different pies. So my, my organization, we, we obviously do, we do therapy work, but we also work with organizations around performance and organizational change, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much anything that involves people and, and the mind. Wow, that is awesome. Well, Richard Reed, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show. Thank you so much. I loved having this conversation with you. I mean, it was, it was very, very quick, but it was a fun conversation as well. Really enjoyed it. Oh, wonderful. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you, uh, to work with you, to learn all this other information about you, where would they find this online? So you come to www.pinnaclewellbeingservices.com and you can find us there. Awesome. And my listeners also know that if they're not able to find the information any other place, simply go to the show notes for this particular episode at either jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv. Thank you so much, Richard. I appreciate your time. Thank you. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.